Welcome to the third one sucks where we rank every movie in a franchise from first to worst. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm Mark Bell. And I volunteer as tribute, I guess. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today, Mark? We are kicking off the Hunger Games franchise with The Hunger Games. <laughs> a dystopian action film written by Gary Ross, Billy Ray, and Suzanne Collins, based on a novel by Suzanne Collins. The Hunger Games was directed by Gary Ross and produced by Nina Jacobson and John Click. It premiered on March 12, 2012 at the Nokia Theater and stars Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutcherson, Liam Hemsworth, Woody Harrelson, and Elizabeth Banks. Lots of other names, but those are really like the main, those are those are our leads for this one. I often say, and um, you know, among so many more, and like, listen, there are a lot of people in this movie, but like, those are the five people that have screen time. There, look, there is exactly one person that is not on this list, that it is a travesty that they are not <laughs> <laughs> and you know who that is, Mark? Who 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 is it? It's the Tooch. You left oh. out the Tooch. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Good old Stanley Tucci, star of this movie, as far as I'm concerned. What uh? What's our fan review of this movie? Well, Marco, buddy, oh pal, this week our fan review comes from Google Fan Reviews, and it comes from Benjamin Sloofman, who said three months ago, one star, hot trash, like this, is so unoriginal. I've seen so many like this. People get set to fight an OMG, they realize it's unfair, and then they have a potty poo tantrum and start a revolution, and the best friend cliche, God, it's horrible. <laughs> this is entirely in here because I, I was delighted by uh, presumably potty an adult tantrum? human using the phrase potty, potty poo tantrum. tantrum. It's so good. That's my favorite part, for sure. <laughs> This is I, uh, part of why I, I put this review in here, too, is there is absolutely space to criticize things for being derivative or for like, uh, you just took that premise from this other thing. This movie gets some heat sure. for kind of being battle royale in some ways, not mm -hmm. too long after. Like, I get that. And that's those are all legitimate discussions to have. But there is also within a certain corner of media criticism, a sort of fetishization of originality that bums me out. Like, yeah, listen, man, there are only yeah. so many stories. And sometimes it's okay to just like tell a cool version of a different story that's been told no one's mad for sure, for sure. that that seven samurai and the magnificent seven both exist it would be ridiculous to not want, like enjoy both those things just, sure just, you can sometimes even it's i okay. as a human can struggle with like like i remember being mad at the matrix when it first happened because it felt derivative of other <laughs> things that i liked and having to like get over that like 19 year old dude mentality of well this other thing did it first and was better you were you were livid that ghost in the shell did not get it yes due credit and instead people were ghost in the shell and dark city <laughs> yeah that those are the two for sure you mean those two things that the wachowskis walked in and were like check these two things out we want to make stuff like this yeah, right <laughs> I'm pretty sure maybe maybe that's apocryphal, but those are the that's what I remember the story being that those are literally the two things they brought to him and we're like we want to do this shit yeah yes good find like a new and different and cool version to tell a good story that's great I'm I have learned that that's an okay thing it's media hopping too both of those things it's not sure, the same yeah. like <laughs> it's not the same medium that they're they're I mean they're both it and Ghost in the Shell are both film but one is an animated feature and one is live action. So we're going to, in a minute, get into when we first saw this film, but because this is the first movie in a franchise, we're not going to have a chunk at the end here where we do our scoring, because th th there's one movie. We're not going to have to rate it against the other yeah. movies yet. So uh, noting that we might have a little bit extra time in this podcast, what have you been watching lately? <laughs> what have I been watching lately, Mark? If we're talking about 
lately as in like the last since we've uh, sat down and talked to each other and have decided that this is going to be part like a segment in one of these <laughs> a number of things if you mean just the last few days the answer is shockingly mighty morphin power rangers hey <laughs> <laughs> what happened was what happened was like the mighty sure. and morphing power rangers not modern yeah, power the, okay <laughs> Yeah, Mighty Morphin, the original Mighty Morphin Power yep. Rangers. What happened is, see, what happened was Jake Mason, uh, friend of the show, did like who does Morphin Grid with with Josh, mm-hmm. put out like their ten year whatever thing, and that sparked a part of my brain that was like, you haven't tried to watch that in about ten years. Okay, you go give that another <laughs> shot. And so over the last, like, th- like I don't know, three days, I binged, like, uh, the first season <laughs> and some change. And also the first, like, five episodes of Zhu Ranger, which is, like, the Japanese yes. equivalent that it came from, <laughs> which, pretty good. Uh, it's honestly, real Zhu good. Ranger's that was... Pretty good. I love Rita's stupid bike. I, it's <laughs> just, as a whole, it holds together. <laughs> You know, the thing that it, it, it is holds together better than the thing that is macrame into the sure, side of things. Yes. <laughs> uh, it doesn't hold up quite as... But, like, yeah, that is that is about how it works. And, look, I, I, I have a fondness for that original series, for sure. I, it hit right whenever I was primed to love it. Turtles were winding down, mm-hmm. and I needed another teenagers doing karate shit. Sure. Like, I needed more of that. <laughs> And it's dinosaurs. It's robot dinosaurs. Remember when we talked about Horizon and like yep. it's robot dinosaurs? <laughs> I'm in. I, this was at a time whenever fucking Jurassic Park came out and it was my favorite thing in the fucking world. I had Jurassic Park sheets as a sure. kid. And it was my fucking favorite movie. I had good taste as a child. That's what I want y'all to understand. Jurassic Park was my favorite movie for a long time. <laughs> Still one of my favorite movies. And so whenever they said, what if that, but it's, what if Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but robot dinosaurs? (laughs) And I said, thank you. Yes, you can inject that directly into my veins. I want that right now, please. So that's what I've been watching the last few days. It's been an experience. Uh, I, I, look, I don't think that, I don't know that it's good, but it's somewhat entertaining it's i don't know that its purpose ever was to be good like if we're talking about quality i don't know that it set out to be like good television i am whereas you ranger i think is maybe good television yeah from the five episodes i've seen (laughs) anyway all that say i got real fixated on it for the last few days we'll see if that carries through we'll see if i do anything (laughs) with that but I needed something different after having binged so much dropout content, which is what I've been sure, doing with the rest sure. of my life since the last time we hung out. I have now I have two now in my famous spreadsheet that we've mentioned on the show before, where I keep everything that I watch and keep track of it. I now have pages that's one is just dropout and it's just a bunch of dropout shit. And then the another one is just Power Rangers now. It's Power Rangers <laughs> nice. slash Sentai. And it's who knows if I'll see any of that through, but sure. my brain was like <laughs> Literally earlier today was like, look, you have two tiny grains of energy. You know what you could spend it on? Making a spreadsheet for Power Rangers. <laughs> so you can track what you're watching. Uh, so that's what I did. I'm a very particular type of person. Anyway, what about you, Mark? What have you been watching? I uh I had a uh I had a rough weekend from a mental health perspective just sort of like having a couple of rough days and on Sunday evening after the other humans in my house called it an early night and decided to get some sleep cuz everyone yeah you you know what's going on <laughs> we just had yeah. a lot of a lot of stressors I was like you know what 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and see a movie by myself. That's a th- I'm gonna go do that because that's a thing I like to do and I don't often. Mm-hmm. So I went a uh, Sunday night. I went and saw Argyle. Okay, Argyle I believe was released Friday, but the, the, right. like two days before I went to see it, and I sat alone in the theater in the back row dead center. <laughs> Look, it's hard to get groundswell going for a movie when you don't know who made it. You, do, like, you don't know jack shit about it, and they're just like, show up. It's a name. You want it? It's, you, know, you know them sweaters you got in the back of your closet? It's like that, but it's not related to that. What does it mean? We're not going to tell you. Come, come watch the movie. My instant reaction is that it is all of Matthew Vaughn's best and worst impulses, uh, okay, and okay. sadly, the worst impulses kind of went out. Oh no! But it de- like it was a f- it was a very fun watch nonetheless. I had a good time with it, but I I don't know that it's a good movie. <laughs> I will talk more about it when it's been out longer. That's fair. Matt Vaughn is definitely the reason I had any interest whatsoever. And then there's just been rumblings of like, who even wrote this shit? And yeah. Is it J.K. Rowling? And like, <laughs> All I'm of the gonna, I'm gonna wait till you figure that shit out, world, <laughs> and then I'm gonna decide whether I want to spend my sure. time on Argyle. <laughs> All of the Matt Vaughn things are there for for good and for ill. <laughs> Look, when it's the good, I'm I'm all about it. You give me Rasputin yep. doing fucking weird knife <laughs> shit and dance, I'm all ten out of ten times. I'm gonna go rewatch that. <laughs> I need to rewatch that. It's been a minute, not since we've done our episode on it. That's a good movie. Anything else? Just Argyle? I saw Godzilla minus one black and white. Oh, okay. Did you see the uh, not the color version? I did. Just yeah, the I, black and white. I okay. saw the color version very shortly after it released. Drug my buddy mm-hmm. Brian out to go see it because I, I watched it and came home and said, "This is a movie you're going to want to see." And it's like it plays well in the theater. Let's let's go watch it again. Uh, sure. And then when it like when it hit black and white, I happened to be like we had the right space and time to pull off another showing of it. And I thought, wow, why not? Like, nice. So, yeah, I weirdly saw that movie three times in the theater, <laughs> which oh, is not yeah. a Look, thing I, I usually do. <laughs> nothing but praise for minus one. Yeah, it's strong. It's a very good Godzilla yeah. movie that feels like an incredibly difficult to pull off balance of like classic era Japanese Godzilla films and modern storytelling technique. Yeah, it lo- it looks like it's delivering on the premise of human characters in a Godzilla film I actually give a shit about. Oh yes, and I'm excited correct. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I guess we should turn our attention to the hunger games now so when did you when did you first see the hunger games uh, about four hours ago wow okay interesting yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah this is I, a fun look, I, well here's the here's the thing is i saw it only for the first time about four hours ago because whenever it first came out evangelicalism loved that movie and they really the evangelical culture really lashed onto it for whatever reason despite the fact that they're the capital <laughs> I would like to pause at this moment, and, and you're on a good <laughs> uh-huh. thought that I want to keep talking about, but I need sure. you right now to ask me when I first saw this movie. Hey, Mark, when did you see this movie for the first time? So 12 years ago was the last uh-huh. year that I was a an evangelical youth group leader. <laughs> <laughs> I saw oh, this movie man. on opening night with a youth group. We stood in a long line. Oh, God damn it. Thank you for telling me to shut the fuck up for this. I'm so delighted. Please continue. 
legitimately it was a big event i don't know if people remember this i'm not sure that hunger games has maintained the cultural like footprint that it had Mm -hmm. but it was a big deal and like we went and there was a line like back the hall and around the corner waiting to get led into the theater for the which feels like a weird thing to even describe in 2024 (laughs) but i promise you it was a thing that happened yeah for sure and yeah i also do not know why there was an evangelical fascination with this story in any like i don't know what the line is i don't know how it happened other than maybe there were not a lot of swears and there were a lot of white people i don't know it's true there are not a lot of swears and there are a lot of white people (laughs) i think anytime that you give uh anytime that you try to tell a story where your protagonist is they they appear to be like a palatable white person Mm -hmm. evangelicalism is going to latch onto that already that's true then two if you give them something for their like persecution complex to latch on yeah yeah they yeah they really believed that like the capital is the 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 godless liberal sure (laughs) control this is they're communists they really you know how we want watched the same movie and they were definitely communists yep <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah that's sure. fair that's fair so anyway yeah. you can get back to your story now just you were talking about evangelical latching on to this no, film like, and i really needed to interject <laughs> no you it's it's appropriate because that's why i didn't watch these movies because <laughs> i i would go over to my family for like holidays and they'd be all about it and i'd be like well guess what i'm not watching <laughs> <laughs> I want nothing to do with something that your entire youth group is stoked about. Sure. I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to read the tag. I'm actually okay. If this is good, I'll get around to it. My cousin who was raised hunting really liked it and went to church and was like, oh yeah, she's got bow, she's do hunting. Right. She's going to yes. kill that deer. <laughs> they they saw, can't tell her not to hunt illegally. The they saw trying someone to crack down from our hunting future West Virginia fighting the government. Exactly. Exactly. That's 100% <laughs> what they saw. And without any smidge of... I mean, and on paper, that is what's happening. Like, that's, that, that is but, accurate. No, that that is correct. The thing is that, like, it's the same shit that happened to country music after 2001. It's, sure, like, yep, it's all yep. part of the same bullshit of, like, oh, when it just became jingoist nonsense. Yep, it's, yep. <laughs> uh, it's, real, it's real bad. So it's, it's that same shit of, like, this is it's the aesthetics of, like, rural working class while yep, actually, yep. you know, serving the interests of the, of the ruling class. So... <laughs> fucking wild uh so yeah that's that's why it took me until four hours ago to watch this movie because and i've heard things after the fact there's like oh actually this is very at least be generous left of center politics are happening sure sure in addition to watching this when it came out i had actually read the books prior to watching the films Uh, okay sure sure Uh, in part because i just i read a ton like that's just a thing that i do you're a reader that's what you do right but also i was teaching a youth group regularly at the time and that was real hot in that scene and i liked to be able to be conversant in what my students were into uh so a big driver for reading was like man everyone has been talking about this i'll pick up these books and i mean honestly and we'll get into what we think about the film they're pretty good books Mm -hmm. like they're not sure sure. in some ways they're kind of like baby's first dystopia but they're YA books. Like mm-hmm. they're not, that's, that's what they are. That's the space they occupy. And for that right, space, right. they're good. They're interesting. They, uh, fun characters, a surprising amount of interpersonal relationship building within the novels. They're not changing anybody's world or anything, but I would put them as sure, enjoyable sure. books. Like I liked them. I had a good time with those books. Yeah. I'm sure they changed somebody's world. Somebody has stumbled across yeah, this yeah, well, that's, episode of the podcast. That's what YA books should do, right? They should be yeah. books that like, Oh, 
as a as a young reader, I have stumbled upon this. It has opened my eyes, and now I'm going to go out and find more and bigger and like like I'm going to dig into this. So yeah, you know, yeah, they weren't changing my world as a 28 year old when I read them, but I'm sure there was yeah, some 13 sure. year old who read that book and was like, hell yeah, this is my thing now. And then they, you know, that's great, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think no, it's relevant sense. to talk about having read the books though. Because this is one of those cases where I have trouble watching the film and understanding how much when this film happened, there was there was notable complaints about its storytelling structure. And we'll get into that as we watch it. And, and you know, it was a well-received movie as far as I remember and fans liked it. But like one of the big takeaways was it jumped around a lot and, and like missed a lot from the books, but also like didn't necessarily earn some of the relation. But all, all of that we'll get into. <laughs> Having sure, read sure. the books, my brain backfilled all of that, right? And we've talked about this in some other movies before. I can't remember which ones, mm-hmm. but I know we've talked about this experience before. A very good example that we can dig into later is the character of Rue, who sure. is my favorite yeah. character in that entire universe. But I realized yeah. now, having watched this movie for the first time since I was 28 years old, that character barely exists in this movie. She sure does. But yeah. my brain backfilled all of this years. like emotional connection to this character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I carried that in. So like Rue showed up and I was like, oh, I love Rue, boy. This is like I have yeah. trouble like sussing out some of the flaws of this movie because I do think some of its flaws are in its storytelling, but my brain carried the story into watching the movie. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. describing this experience poorly, but you know what I mean. No, I know. Look, I know what you mean, and I know exactly when we talked about it on this podcast. Because those Evangelion <laughs> episodes. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yep. <laughs> we were talking about the rebuilds and how we were carrying our yep. experience and relationships with these characters in prior versions of everything into our watches of the rebuilds, which, you know, yep. you know, not everybody that was watching it did, and they are much thinner versions of those characters in a lot of ways. That makes sense, for sure. So we'll get into this movie, and we'll unpack some of it. I think particularly where we'll end up talking about that is some of the relationships between the characters, particularly in this film, Katniss and Peta, but also some others uh, that don't maybe feel earned. Like, I'm so far removed from having read the books or watched it now that I was watching this. Boy, like, there's a lot of a deeper relationship between these two characters that I feel like the movie has built up for me. Yeah, I I, I imagine so, just based off of my watch. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very curious. That's why I I was interested here that, like, this is the first time you've watched it. Like, you have limited engagement with the franchise Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I think, like... I'm very interested to hear how what the experience is of watching the movie like that. Yeah, look, I'm always happy to be the voice of the people. And by people, <laughs> I mean people who didn't watch this movie when it came out. So we'll get into it. The movie opens with, I mean, listen, a lot of sci-fi movies do this. I'm not blaming it. Like, mm-hmm. here's just a bit of text to give you the back story that you're going to need to understand this movie. <laughs> Right, like here's a narrator, or here's a wall of text that just says, "Listen, what happened was there was some kind of war. There's twelve districts now in a rich capital that, like, where is the prestige, Mark? Where is (laughs) when we got one of these in a dystopian like movie before? It would have been like news reports or something over like an opening credit crawl, you know? Yep, yep. And here it's just like letters on a black screen." So this is interesting because this is one of the weirdest things about this movie to me. This movie has a hefty runtime. It goes close it to two and a half hours. And the book's not yeah, enormous. Surprised. It's it's a YA book and it's not like a part like it's not a thin book, but it's not like this is a you know seven hundred page thing that it's unpacking. It's a sure. big runtime 
for a, a relatively straightforward novel, and I feel like this movie spends its runtime very weird. It definitely does. So I could forgive the like the sort of quick white text over black backstory explanation if it was in service of like listen we've got a lot of story it's really tight like we've we're just going to get right into it i i like you have a preference for what you were saying the prestige like it's a weird dystopia give me a little taste of that in the beginning like let me experience the weirdness of that dystopia but if it was like oh we're just getting this out of the way so that we've got this really tight story sure but that's not what we get so i I don't i don't know why they went this way it's a it's an odd choice to kind of open like i said there's a long history of here's some text to tell you what's going on but like yeah no give us a little pizzazz with it baby well i feel like a few things which i mean based off of some of our discussion before we really kicked off talking about plot stuff which is only just now happening (laughs) i had two inclinations while watching this and one was i don't know that this movie knows what it wants to be like what kind of movie it wants to be Mm -hmm. um because it seems like there's a lot of choices that are at odds with each other and then also this probably should have been a television show is something that I picked up on, I would say, within the first like 20 minutes of this movie. Mm, I think that's a very good take. And as someone who, uh, as I mentioned earlier, quite likes the books, I think you're mm-hmm. right. Because a lot of what makes the books work, like, listen, is it very interesting that there are a bunch of kids fighting each other in a last man standing battle? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, that's interesting. Sure. But a lot of what makes the book work is the like the deep relationships that are built between several of these characters, especially characters who are going to go on to die. Like, that's a thing. You get emotionally attached to them as so their death means something to you. And you just they just don't have the space to create that. Or if they do, they don't use that space wisely throughout a lot of this film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah i think you're right it, it would play better as a tv show but that's that's not what we've got here i'm so what i'm what i'm interested so the the shape of the world right as the text tells uh-huh. us is there are 12 districts sitting outside of the capital the capital is this sort of like giant capitalist ruling class that lives in a kind of literal and figurative bubble and the further out you get from that like the further the deeper into the districts you go the more rural and poverty stricken you become so like the innermost districts are kind of commercial districts the outermost district is west virginia coal mines that's district 12 that's where our movie opens once a year as punishment for the rebellion slash war slash we'll unpack all of that in future movies i promise we we don't need to spend a lot of time on it yet because we don't really know a lot about it yet but once a year there's a big contest where they pick one boy child and girl child from each district and throw them into a big battle royale last man standing gets i don't know wealth beyond measure everyone else gets dead of course our dystopia is going to have rigid gender roles of course oh, of course yeah of course that right like that absolutely feels more relevant here i think in 2024 than it even did in 2012 only only <laughs> it has only become more prevalent as time rolls forward so this is a thing called the reaping which is okay. a, a real like that's a that's a Oof. yeah it's right a, on it's, the nose there yeah it's it's solid like and again it, this is why a fic like that's it's yeah it works i think so I, yeah, we get I do, I do too we get just a little bit of like life in district 12 before that happens the movie kind of has to hustle us to the reaping but we do get to see a little bit of katniss the like daughter of a dead coal miner who has to like hunt wild game to feed her family we get just a, just the littlest bit of it but we do get to see a little of it with the way this movie starts feels like they're trying to do children of men you know like yes 
It's and we were in the yeah, look. I'm gonna. I was so nauseated for most of this movie because we're in the era of shaky cam. Oh man, so many times in my handwritten notes, I have written, "I hate the shaky cam time in filmmaking." Oh, yeah. I hate it so it's, much. Yeah, I I I picked up on that. There's there's some scenes where like it works and that's what they should be doing for it. Mm-hmm. But also, it, so so much of this movie is shaky cam for no good reason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It doesn't serve the purpose at all. So I don't know. Whenever I say it, it feels like children and men. Some of it, I mean, it's that, but also it's just like the tone. Like it feels like it has a very particular tone. It's striking in the beginning hours of it. Yes. And then by the time we get to the end, it's like Jurassic Park with dogs. And I don't <laughs> see. And again, I think that's part of the weird trans. Uh, Suzanne Collins is a very good writer. And so the book has sure. a consistent narrative tone because it's in her voice and the film does not have a consistent narrative tone at all it's very it's almost like you experience three to four distinct short movies within the shape of this movie i think you do like because there's all the stuff leading up to it them arriving at the capitol yep and then them doing the actual like the big part of the games and then there's like that last like set piece and the wrap-up it yep. really does feel just like four separate <laughs> and the tone is weird and, and like to some degree that is present in the book but it's present as a sort of careful and intentional narrative choice to like stylize the story along with the change in the world slash environment right like like there is i think a deft way to do that within a film where it's like yes we're in we're in the sort of bleakest outreaches of the furthest district the movie has this sort of like i don't know using more saturated or unsaturated hues or like there's ways to do that this movie just feels totally jarring when it makes those changes no i agree like you want oz you want it to you want them to get there and to be like oh everything's in technicolor yes. yep. now and it's i'm bl- and blown away it's a world of imagine and whatever except for it's you know a bunch of rich fucks yeah yep <laughs> what i feel like you get like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it meshes properly yeah you right it doesn't feel like they marry those two tones and like they don't thread that needle quite right right at and, least not and in like the, the way characters who are sort thing. of supposed to be our through lines for that are mm-hmm. effie and uh haymitch and uh cinna the costume designer right yeah Letty Kravitz is, uh, is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah. Those are the characters that are sort of supposed to like they are our emotional translation between those two worlds because they're supposed to sort of be District 12 support team and in some ways they're sort of like on their side in heavy quotes but they're also actors of the state uh, right, and right. they are products of this horrifying capitalist hellscape in which they live and those are the characters that are supposed to help us negotiate the differences between those two worlds. And I just, I don't think as much as I actually kind of enjoy at least Elizabeth Banks and Lenny Kravitz to a lesser degree, Woody Harrelson in this film, I don't think their characters just aren't given the, like the screen time they need or the depth that they need to really be those translators. I, I wish they gave them just a little bit. Look, Woody Harrelson is doing what he can with what he's got. I, I don't know. Woody, I don't know everything about Woody Harrelson. He's probably done some fucked up shit. It feels like he's always two seconds away from getting canceled. <laughs> he's compelling on screen. He, he's compelling as a scumbag that like, yep. but he's like infinitely watchable as like kind yeah, of like the scummy dude that's connected. Like something about it is just compelling. So it like it works here because it's Woody Harrelson playing the part, but I, I don't know. Like Elizabeth Banks just 
doesn't do anything for me. I want to be mad. I feel like the movie wants me to just hate her, and I'm just, I just, it's nothing. I just feel nothing. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks is the one that I think, like, that that character, Effie, could be so much more interesting. And just, even though I like what she's she's bringing to it, just it just isn't. You know, just I, I don't know. She feels like a, and I, I feel like she was supposed to get off of her train at the the Tim Burton uh, Alice in Wonderland movie, and just did, sure. and just kept writing, and ended up in this movie somehow. <laughs> well, that's I think like they they wanted to do a very specific visual thing with the Capitol, and what we got yeah. instead was a weird merger of like Tim Burton and the Fifth Element. Which I like the fifth element parts. For I sure. love that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, like, I see what they're trying to do with the Capitol and it just feels like it misses. It's just, it just doesn't, yeah. doesn't hit what it's going for. It does. Seem but again, a lot like of a that little... is, I feel like with well, a lot of these characters, a lot of these relationships and a lot of the physical locations, the movie just doesn't have the time to explore them in a way that would make them more interesting. And when you have, yeah, that's true. When you only have a few minutes in the Capitol, if like what you need is the visual storytelling to really be on point to to bridge the gap there, and it just isn't, you know, it just it, it's okay, but I don't think it's doing what they want it to do. And there's no, a lot of right. places like that. Like there's, we're jumping ahead a little, but the moment when Katniss's dress first lights on fire is supposed to be this like wildly spectacular thing, and in the book it's a real like transitional moment for how Katniss is like understanding her relationship to the like it's it's where it first starts to dawn on her like oh this is the game that I kind of have to play to, to do this thing she doesn't come ever she doesn't come across like that ever in this movie no and like she, and I feel like the fire effect on the dress is kind of almost a visual representation of that like oh that's that's it that's that's the mm-hmm. okay if we're like i mean yeah okay it looks like she's on fire but like it does not have the magnificence that that the narrative wants it to have <laughs> and that that's kind of a shorthand to me for a lot of what this movie is like the idea got, is there the execution is not always yeah i think that got close at one very particular point but it, and it's the point that you you know is coming from a mile away but uh <laughs> But that's, you know, I don't know. It really didn't have the runway that it needed to. And I feel like yep. that's just going to be a, that's, yep. that's my biggest complaint about, I think every part of this movie is like, you just, you can't pay off a thing that you've barely set up. Yeah. And again, that's why I had like my initial watch of this movie. I quite liked it, but I, I was very fresh off the books. So it could pay off all of those things because the setup was all in my head from the books. And on a rewatch, I realized like, oh, there's a lot missing here. And I know that was a criticism at the time that like, Right. There was a lot missing from the the text, but it hit me more on this watch around. So the real the, to kind of shorthand what we've been talking about, uh, Katniss's little sister gets picked as the girl child tribute for District Twelve, mm-hmm. right, uh, and right. Katniss volunteers as tribute. Like you know, the, uh, yep. If you've seen the I volunteer as tribute meme, this is that thing. This is the thing. This is this is where it be from. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I guess I'll tribute. I guess. I guess I won't let you kill my little sister. We get a, a little tiny look at a sort of nascent building love triangle between Katniss, Petna, and a character whose name is Gale. I will forgive you if you didn't remember that, because Gale is barely present in this movie. No, here's the deal, Mark. Here's the thing about Gale. Is I knew who the fuck Gale was, because... Uh, right off from the jump, you want to, here's my, here's my first note about this movie. Am I supposed to hate Peter? Because I cannot fucking stand him. I want to punch <laughs> him in his stupid face. I, I don't like PETA and I'm instantly team Gale. A hundred percent. 
So that is a in in and again within the narrative of the book, both of them are very likable characters, and I find Peta to be maybe the more compelling of the two of them in the film. And listen, I'm not like I am never here to shit on an artist's work. That's not that's not my point sure. of being on this podcast. Uh, noting that uh, Josh Hutchinson is just not my guy. Like as an actor. He's, he's an all right dude and and he did some things that i like but like i don't think he was a good choice for this role and i think the way in which he plays this character makes his face very punchable looking and i don't like that choice oh man yeah he man his face is so punchable <laughs> my apologies to josh look i know josh hunterson i know you're a big fan of this podcast in particular i know you tune in every couple weeks um but <laughs> buddy your face is so fucking punchable it's it's ridiculous how punchable your face is. Yeah, it, it looks really like hurts every the character of Peta. Ever wanted to, like, it must because they're like my reading of Peta based off of just this movie is I don't understand how anyone likes his character. <laughs> he shows up. He's like he he lies about potentially I guess not really lying but like for clout goes on national TV and says I love this girl I love her I've always loved her and then she's just supposed to I guess love him back because he likes her like that's just right right yeah that none what, of that works in the you, film <laughs> none of what that. do you what, Peter what is what are you bringing to any like you you're not you look, I just want to punch you when I look at you so it's not in the looks department for sure your name means bread you make bread your face looks like bread none of this is good buddy <laughs> your name is bread <laughs> that's good that's real good mark i needed that uh yeah he i mean he has all the personality of stale toast for sure right it's, that's yeah it's very weird and the, and the movie just it, it, it's i think one of the strangest choices because this is a genuine like in the narrative i love books, how you pronounce genuine i will never get over you pronouncing genuine and genuine like the 90s r&b rapper pony plays in my head every single <laughs> time mark every time you're like genuine and my head goes it's without fail <laughs> please continue your point while i reminisce about pony by genuine it's a solidly built love triangle for a ya book is all i'm saying like the the sure. relationship between katniss and gail and Peta is interesting in the books and in the film even even when i the first watch of this movie i remember thinking like boy Peta's just bad in this film like there's they give you no reason to like him at all they don't make him interesting and then they force katniss to weirdly fall in love with him for no reason that's what it feels oh. like i feel like uh there's a whole generation of men who are just taught a real shitty lesson about courting is that it i don't know sure uh, just go on national tv you're always for a girl from girl afar for years never tell her spot on national tv <laughs> right yeah never talk stare about her, it stare at her but never approach her right afar every in your day. head build up a complicated relationship between the two of you for years the <laughs> your one interaction is when you deeply regret where you threw bread at her in the rain <laughs> <Yeah>. and left <laughs> look i'm not the most 
versed when it comes to human interaction, period, but especially when it comes to like romantic interaction. Sure, sure. <laughs> not great at it. Just patently not the best. <laughs> I know that's not the way you want someone to remember you as, <laughs> as the person who just awkwardly threw bread at them that one day in the rain and also apparently stared at you and never said anything for <laughs> right. your entitled adolescence. I, Peter, what are you doing? So anyway, what I'm trying to say is I understand that he must be great because people love these books and people love this character. I have to assume that's all in the books because this is, I can't believe anyone cares that much about. In the book, it, it, in this may be my, like, you know, I read it as an adult man. To be fair, sure. But in the book, he comes off much more of like, oh, that handsome, mysterious boy who I've always seen around, but I've never talked to, and he has a crush on me. Yeah, um, we never get any of that. No. <laughs> no. I, for sure the don't. longest time, I thought she just fucking hated him for the bread stuff. Like, right? <laughs> what, my reading of that before the movie contextualized it as uh, she, she remembers you, you, the boy who gave her bread that day. My, my, the whole time I'm watching it on screen and I'm like, oh, she's pissed because he's just wasting food. Yeah, he just like hucked the bread into that, the mud. <laughs> Is there is there context? That, like, I thought this was going to be talking... I thought we were going to start unpacking about how, like, famously, corporations have to just put all their food for the day in trash bags. They can't, like... <laughs> otherwise they get in trouble by the government if they try to hand out just food at the end of the day right sure yeah. they have to throw it all away because it's otherwise they are if anyone gets sick off of that stuff they gave away at the end of the day it's a big liability on the company so they have to do it to protect their self-interest and millions of people have to die hungry on the street bullshit capitalist bullshit anyway um <laughs> I thought we were going there with it but now it literally is just like he was the cute boy he threw bread at me in the rain <laughs> what the fuck, movie? <laughs> for, a, for a very mild bit of context, we can't keep getting bogged sure. down by the books. I apologize. I know, but yeah, like, Peter's had a crush on Katniss since like grade school, whatever. And but there's a there's a lot of background with the fact that he has an abusive mother who like beats him when he burns the bread or like if he gives food away to people who didn't you pay for that. it. Right. So like the yeah. idea that like he sees her and gives her bread, but he like and he's had a crush on her forever, but he can't talk to her and he can't like just like if his mom caught him giving bread away, especially to a poor, there'd be all kinds of trouble. So like there's there's layers to it that just aren't here. I like that character. Here is he in this like, movie. Do you want some bread? Fine, but I'm going to roll it in the mud first. Where is that guy in this movie? He's not in this movie. No, no. <laughs> right. So what we get, of course, is Katniss and Peta, the boy from Zathora, sent to the capital. <laughs> he is the boy from Zathora. You broke me. I, I didn't realize that was the Zathora guy. That's totally true. He well, was hang in there, guys. I don't call him PETA anywhere for the remainder no, of the notes. No, I... What happened is I saw in our notes 28 cinematic version of Journey to the Center of the Earth and went, oh shit, that was him. And then I, you said Zathura and my brain went, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about Effie and Haymitch a little uh, bit. Effie's going to be in that. and out. Haymitch is sort of... He's a guy who has won before and he is yeah. their like mentor. Each district has a mentor who's supposed to like kind of teach them about fighting but more like teach them about how the games work and how to navigate the capital society for the for the time that they're there training and Hamish is 
to at least in the context of the movie, just kind of a bitter drunk who doesn't really want to have to deal with this. Yeah. And the layers behind it, of course, is like, Mm -hmm. this is a dude who constantly cares for children and then sees them die. We also learn from Hamish that like part of the shape of this training is not just like physically training, but it's sort of ingratiating yourself with the public as a contestant in the game. Okay. Yeah. Because like rich and wealthy people can give you gifts that will help you kind of navigate the game. Sure, sure. This feels like it should be a bigger deal. In the course of the movie, all of that translates to is one time they got some soup. Yeah. Well, they also got salves. They they also oh, that's got, true. Nope, uh, you're right. She, you're right. She got she got cream, yep. the most disgusting <laughs> texture. Whatever is going on there, I don't like it. I. There's a moment we're hardly there, but we're hardly into this movie. It feels like where yeah, weirdly we're like 40 minutes into this movie, but not really, but kind of we are. It's strange. There's a point where Joey Hutch smears some of this shit on her face. And like, I physically recoiled at the texture that came from that. (laughs) Sure. I'm just like a smear of blood in this weird jelly stuff. And I'm just like, no, uh, -uh. no, don't like it. So we get a very little bit. We discussed it earlier of like, Katniss starting to clock how she has to engage with the game as a thing. The movie doesn't give us a lot of that. But, but that's in there a little. We meet the dressmaker. We learn a little bit about that. We, we see the parade, the fiery dress, the idea that like you have to capture the imagination of the public, which is, I think, a, an interesting conceit and very like consistent with reality television, which this kind of is to some degree. There's some, sure, there's sure. some very interesting social commentary there that doesn't show up in the movie but you, you can kind of see the corners of something more interesting hiding here my like i understand the reality tv aspect of it but like for, for sure I, and i think they're definitely commenting on like we're watching people do, and probably to some extent just you know sports in general like sure we're, yep where people are getting on the line and sacrificing their yep. brains and bodies to do to pull these. their family out of poverty in a lot of cases yep mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep uh to, and also just you know the military industrial complex as a whole yep. for sure <laughs> uh, the, the more poignant one is just like it's ever this this movie is just like uh, it's just getting get it the playing the game of politics it's just yes. sickening and you yes. should be sickened by it you should be every time you see this bullshit hippie liberal politics like playing game you should be disgusted by it <laughs> <laughs> This is who these people are. That's like that's the that's the the rubric that I'm I'm judging it by. It's like these aren't if if my youth group was correct about one thing <laughs> in regard to this movie, it's that the capital is filled with a bunch of liberal politicians. And I think that's probably I think that's probably mostly right, at least in terms of like the people that are interacting with Katniss on like her team. That feels like, about right. Yep. <laughs> you know, this is the framework. We just have to play the game. We have to do it their way. We have to learn. We have to argue on their terms. You know, we have to do things a very particular way if we want to get anything done. <laughs> so this is where we get uh, one of my notes. I wrote the kid from the underappreciated 2008 cinematic version of Journey to the Center of the Earth mm-hmm. goes on dystopian Oprah to tell the world he For loves sure. Katniss. Yeah, for sure. Now, listen, do I like that movie solely because of uh, Brendan Fraser? It's possible. I don't know. I'm not going to bother unpacking that, but I had a good time watching that movie at the drive-in movie theaters in 2008. Hey, that's fair. For sure. (laughs) 
I look as as a bisexual, I am sworn to support those choices. Sure. <laughs> you, if you show up just for Brendan Fraser, like I, we have to take an oath. Like you know how whenever they swear people in on like mm-hmm. the Bible or like the right. Quran for taking office, when you become a bisexual, they bring out a copy of Cinematic Masterpiece: The Mummy, and you have to put your hand on that. <laughs> that feels correct. Yep. And, <laughs> I, I'm just honor bound to be like, yeah, I support your choices. If that's the way, if that's why you want to watch journey to the center of the earth, go for it. So there is some question in this movie and to some degree in the books at this point as well of like, mm-hmm. does he love her? Is this like, yeah. is he, has he clocked the game quicker than Katniss? And he's just doing this as a ploy for public sympathy. And like, listen, if he is, that's not like, it's awful, but in the reality that he exists in, that's not a bad choice. I, it makes me hate him more in the moment because I'm just like this fucking guy. Sure. <laughs> One, you shouldn't have a face that punchable and then also be like, I am willing to throw anybody under the yep. <laughs> bus in order to play the political game that this movie is queuing you up to hate so when you're like good at doing that thing that the movie is telling us it sucks to be good at and this is why like what how am i supposed to feel about you josh <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> so like i don't like it when he does that i'm like fuck you you don't that's you don't go on national tv and say and then put the person who has to come out next on the spot or no wait was she first i think she was first she got to she go was first. first yeah yeah that's good so they shouldn't have to like answer for it immediately. That would have been even fucking worse. <laughs> Jesus. We get some training in here. It's basically just different versions of showing us that like, hey, the district one and two kids are like big and ripped and prepared and also very egotistical. And like, mm-hmm. you're a rural nobody who the powers that be are not paying attention to. Right, right. The scene with her shooting the apple was fine. I feel like it underplays compared to how it plays in the book. Again, like I just, these moments don't quite land the way I want them to, but it's a good beat. It works. It's look in a movie of a lot of beats that don't land for me. That one was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, anytime you were aiming a weapon to intimidate a bunch of rich people and like, just, just and like literally shooting an apple out of a, a, a fattened pig's mouth like it's i don't know it's real on the nose and i'm down for it her little curtsy <laughs> is what sells me on it we do see that like oh Peta's strong which is a thing that is true <laughs> it doesn't which is weird because josh hutcherson is just like yeah <laughs> barely thicker than me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a famously disabled person who <laughs> is very <laughs> under their caloric intake uh, <laughs> what we don't really spend much slash any time on i think there may have been one no. throwaway line about it in this in this setup is that Peta is also like a very artistic kid yeah who like i mean in addition to like cake decorating or whatever is like right. like there's a, there's an artist in there and we get a throwaway line about that and then later the weird reveal of him like his face <laughs> yeah like his weirdly camo hiding in the river like there's a yeah. through line that's set up better with like yeah this is one of his like they talk about the skills like what are you bringing to the table and like this is a thing that kind of they lay a little bit of track for in the movie all we get is a throwaway line of i decorate cakes i can make my face camouflaged <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> it's very fun. It's really, really. It doesn't silly. look. I played. I played Metal Gear Solid Three. You just open the menu. You scroll sure. down to the right camo. <laughs> you select it. It's. It's right there. You're good. It's not difficult. The game, like that's kind of it. We get those those various like 
social training montages. We meet a couple of those characters. It stretches out over maybe half an hour of the film, but again, there's less of it somehow than I want there to be. (laughs) Yeah. It's 30 minutes. Not a lot happens. And also, I don't know. Something should, there should be something of value there. Like other than Josh threw a heavy thing and it (laughs) didn't look, I was just very confused at what the movie wanted me to feel when that happened. Cause I was like, is the thing lighter? That boy is small. That, What is impressive about what happened? I don't understand. <laughs> it like it looped around from like being impressive to like. Well, this is a little bullshit. sad. <laughs> it, it was like that. He shouldn't be able to do that. He just doesn't have. He doesn't. He sh- his body should not be able to. Whatever is impressive about this, I don't understand because it couldn't have been that heavy if that boy threw it. <laughs> I was just very. I wanted Gail to be there. Where's Gail? <laughs> So we do, like, I think we briefly meet uh, President Snow, Coriolanus Snow, mm-hmm. who is Donald Sutherland. We meet Seneca Crane, Wes Bensley, who is like the game master. I very much, like, in contrast to looking at Joss Hutcherson's face and being like, this is punchable and it makes me hate you. Wes Bensley's mm-hmm. face is like, oh, this is punchable and that's exactly right. Is that Beardo? Is that, yeah. is that who we're yep. thinking about? Yep. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah, his face is punchable, but it's supposed to be. And so, yes. like, <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're fine, maybe. The Hunger Games themselves, uh, obviously fully televised throughout the capital and all of the districts, start in a zone called the Cornucopia, which is like, oh, here's a bunch. It's that's a supply drop, right? It's a big old supply drop, but designed that way intentionally to sort of like start the games off with a bang because everyone's going to run in and grab weapons. And so you're going to get several deaths like right out the gate. And this is where the shaky cam really takes over her. I don't think this movie should have been PG-13. I think it should have been like a prestige, like fucking R-rated so this drama is, that went for a season. It's what this should This is the been. thing I wanted to ask you about. And I do wonder uh, specifically if the shaky cam is maybe a choice to sort of help stylistically conceal some of the violence the violence happening towards children right because the book doesn't hide from this at all right like it's just these are children killing other children and i feel like while that is certainly happening the movie really tries to soften it as frequently as it can and to like very to as much as possible not show the actual deaths and to let them happen off screen or just out of frame We'll see dead bodies, but we very rarely see a killing. I don't know. It feels like they're half committing to the thing they're mm-hmm. trying to execute on whenever they they do shit like this. Who at the studio is like, we're going to do this movie and we're going to kill a bunch of kids in it. It needs to be PG-13 so that we can right. get a lot of people in the seats to see children murder. Because like the fact that this is a horribly unspeakable thing is the whole point like that's the right. point you have to mark my fate what's my favorite genre of thing it's bad things happen to children <laughs> and if you don't deliver on that premise and it's just like bad things happen to children but it happens off screen and you don't have to worry about it too much pay attention to this special golden child right that's yep. not i don't want that so this chunk of our notes gets a little weird because i have trouble kind of summarizing the games because they are sort of like it's, it's it's an action movie at this point it should be a like really intense emotional thing and it just isn't and this, that's difficult for me yeah this should be the, like i saw battle royale but like it, like this yes. can, you can do this part good this should be the fucking predator with children that's what we should be watching instead you know what we get a lot of is just katniss sitting in a tree we sure do 
not sure K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Did. That happens in the cave. That happens later. Right. It happens out of the tree. They don't even get the poem right, Mark. She opens the games by sort of like snagging a backpack with some stuff in it and then taking off into the woods, which is what Hamish told her. Hamish said, like, don't get into the right. scrum. Like, get out, find some high ground, find some water. Right, Which right. she does. And she climbs up in a tree and then she sees there's a team that is the two kids from D1, the two kids from D2, the Mighty Ducks. Thank you. And PETA inexplicably in the film just hanging out with them like there's no justification for how this thing happened and there's a bit of a thread later where they're like oh yeah well he's gonna lead us to katniss but it's a very like it's a very tenuous it's it's interesting you didn't read the best part of that bullet point in your notes okay (laughs) which is they treat katniss and the guy who voices ultraman in the netflix series seems to be on my side Yeah. <laughs> any any reason to avoid using Josh's name is this very entertaining. <laughs> it's my favorite thing about your notes for this episode. <laughs> That is, they tree her in so far as like, she's getting too far away from the action. So the producers kick up a wildfire to force her back towards the center of the games. Right, right. And she is chased by this five-person team she climbs up a tree they're trying to shoot her out of it but they're bad at it yeah and Peta just says like just listen she's gonna have to come down out of the tree eventually let's just like let's sit here and eventually she will come out of the tree which sure i guess like i remember liking this set piece in the book <laughs> and it plays so weird in the movie where he's just like let's build a fire and wait yeah i it's i don't know it's it's weird so much of this movie feels like you're waiting for things to happen yeah for a two and a half hour movie they don't use their runtime well and i know i've said it but it's true i don't know that like i'm ever particularly bored again i've only seen the movie once so it's all it was all new to me so i was just sitting on, on with bated breath waiting for a thing to happen but like so much of what happens is just we hide and yep, like, that's yep. fine but the hiding then doesn't come with any tension for me yeah you don't it's, have the emotional stakes and the tension there that you need to yeah. to make those scenes into maybe if we especially him away all the kids dying we'd, right. we'd be a little more afraid <laughs> especially with rue because this is where we meet like we saw rue very briefly earlier mm-hmm. in the movie very briefly and then she shows up here in another tree and she points out like a murder hornet nest i forget what they're called right. some kind of wasps yeah something jackets i don't know yeah right she she like like she does like a shh thing and then points out the nest and katniss cuts it down so like all of these murder hornets sting the bad guys and she can escape one of the bad guys dies stung a few times yep she gets stung Here's, a few times i'm annoyed mark because i'm supposed to believe that katniss is is uh, resourceful you, you and we're cutting down that thing and like i'm glad rue's there to be like hey do a middle right. solid three shoot that out of the tree <laughs> and then fall on everybody it's great but like I, I there's this little piece of weaponry that's uh i was probably pretty new whenever katniss was um like in this situation so it doesn't surprise me that she didn't think of it it's called a spear and it's just a <laughs> stick and then a stabby bit <laughs> and she has rope yep. in a tree and a knife is the rope too big you have shoelaces you can make you can make this work 
it's a very odd and it just like i don't know i know they want like the slowness of her cutting it down but like it doesn't i don't know it just like a lot of this movie i see what they're doing and it kind of works but it, it just the movie never gets over for me it, is what i'm really saying i don't know this movie's a lot of hurry up and wait like it wants to yeah, get through yep. all the action stuff just so you're sitting and doing nothing again and i don't understand why because it's not delivering on the tension for that to yeah. be compelling well and that's that's Thank you for reminding me why I brought up that Rue was here, because Rue is, and again, for my money, the best character in this universe, and a lot of the relationship between Katniss and Rue, as I'm sure you, an intelligent human consuming this story, can see what's supposed to be there is this this is sort of ersat stand-in sister relationship right like her the relationship yeah. with her little sister is there at the beginning of the film and then she's out in the forest and there's this tiny little human who she kind of adopts and like throughout the course of the book you get this building like sibling relationship between the two you could tell that katniss is sort of like leaning on rue and getting as much from her as she is providing and like there's this real beautiful friendship that develops between them so that when rue dies it is a it is a dark and awful moment in those books uh and maybe maybe the best emotional beat for my money across the entire trilogy That 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 sort of thing should exist in this movie and instead, it's just like, oh, here's Rue. She's going to point to some hornets and then die. Yeah. I At this point in the movie, what I have in my notes is, so Rue is the MVP of this entire movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. Rue. Why isn't this her movie? And, and then <laughs> shortly after that, oh, yeah, she's going to die. That's why. That's what's going to happen. That's why she's here. Because what she really is here to be is just a black character to help a white person get a little further along the story. She is just the the black caretaker for this this white person. That's kind of what she does. And then she teaches her the she she may fill both the a couple stereotypes a couple of unwelcome <laughs> stereotypes because she's also like i know this special way of communicating with nature and that's kind of right. magical black person-y that's it very little, much is yep <sighs> so i don't know and like it's if you not, build that good. character and make them complex and deep enough you can avoid those tropes but all we have yeah. are two like so all this character can do is like sit in the role of that trope yeah like i like her i assume there's more in the books because she's immediately likable and like that is one of the many deep emotional relationships that like propels the arc of Katniss through these books. None of which we like, we don't see, obviously we get nothing with PETA, but we don't see anything with any of the like adult mentor figures. We, uh, there's nothing with Rue, which is a shame. There's mm-hmm. like four minutes and it, it just, sure. it bums me out. <laughs> it bums me out that all she's here to do is be like, Hey, there are some hornets. Here's a whistle. I will die now so that people care about you. Yeah. Hooray. And, the, and like the funeral was, insofar as there is a few like she uh literally guilds her and lilies you know she surrounds her in flowers uh it's a big beat and like ruse from district 11 and we see that like it inspires a at least a temporary uprising in district 11 there's a sort of rebellion uh inspired Mm -hmm. by katniss's sort of radical love Mm -hmm. and that's cool it just feels so flat in this movie and it bums me out (laughs) they killed a black child the, the state killed a black child and then there yep. was a there 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 were riots i can't there believe that, that yep. i don't know yep. i just feel like i'm glad we didn't choose anything heavy or politically poignant to <laughs> cover when we're jumping back in this i'm glad we picked something nice and light like the hunger games yep <laughs> So, all right. So what we have here sort of is like Rue nurses Katniss through the danger of being stung by these wasps. Uh, She teaches her a little bit of survival skills and then gets killed by Jack Quaid. 
That was Jack Quaid. That's who that is. That's who plays yeah. that. Okay. Yep. That's Jack Quaid there. Voice of Boimler from Star Trek Lower. <laughs> I can't track who it is. They're just there. They throw a spear, then they die. Yep. Stop yep. giving bad guy give i want more good guys with spears in movies give me more spears (laughs) when you said good guys with spears my brain Uh reflexively substituted is the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a spear (laughs) that can stop a bad guy look i'm just saying if rue had her own spear (laughs) we would have been able to spear the spear guy before spear guy speared her The only thing that can stop a bad guy with a spear is a good Rue with a spear. (laughs) So what this is supposed to do for us is set up some external tension outside of the Hunger Games, right? We know that District 11 uh, has an uprising and Mm -hmm. President Donald Sutherland is very unhappy about it. District 11 said, you'll rue the day you did that to <laughs> oh, our little girl. <laughs> hey, please don't leave. Please don't turn off the podcast. <laughs> the idea here is like, uh-oh, uh-huh. that people are, people are getting restless. We need something sure. to sort of like draw them back in. We need to pacify the masses. If people take anything from this movie, I hope it's that if you can give people just that little bit of hope, if you can walk that balance right, you can keep people from That is such a throne. good point. And like oh, and man. again, like Suzanne Collins it's a good book. Like it's it's a well written book. It is definitely left of center. Like and there's some very intelligent and semi-complicated concepts in there that is definitely a key one and i'm glad the movie like insofar as the movie skips over a lot of the heart of the book i'm glad it did take some time to point out like a little bit of hope keeps them subdued too much hope is bad when donald sutherland is talking to his like i feel like this is the shit that like most other movies would have left on the cutting room floor like the studios would have been like we can't do that we can't yep we can't do that, right? That's too. That's a bit too. That feels a bit, a bit too on the nose. <laughs> Insofar as I've criticized this movie when it's made some bad editing decisions, this is a place mm-hmm. where it definitely gets some praise. Like it, it sure. did not shy away from that point, which is in a lot of ways the central thesis of this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of that also sets up Hamish's ability to step in and pitch a rules change. He says, "Like, listen, I can tell that everyone's like." restless your you beard guy uh are in some trouble because people are unhappy with the game like the death of rue was was a thing so how about i give you a new spin here's a thing that will like pacify the masses and get them to care about the game again instead of care about the societal implications of what's going on right right how about two winners if they're from the same district which obviously everyone knows like including beard guy this is an angle to play up the pre-existing love story between katniss and Peta. right right but it is also our out for this book to maintain its love triangle which you know fine i'm not unhappy about that i get it i see what you're doing uh suzanne collins whatever it like it doesn't work for me in this movie because i don't like movie Peta. but yep yeah <laughs> i'm sure it plays in the book the whole time i'm just like i hate this boy go home to him he is great he was he was rude and he shouldn't have scared off that deer earlier that's a fucked up thing to do where we're constantly hungry but other than that he's just he seems like such a good boy in in the movie it feels more about like oh 
we, you know, we'll, we'll save this love story. That's definitely what's going on. There's also a, a tone that makes it more palatable to me in the book as much more about this allows us to, to not have to end the story with Katniss being a murderer of PETA. And I, 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 and again, I see what, what Suzanne Collins is doing there. I get it. Like I, the shape of that story makes sense to me. I don't know. It's that it's how I would have chosen, but like, I, I see what you're doing. I understand that. No, I, Mark, I am one of 12 people who love the way the film adaptation of the mist ended. (laughs) <laughs> I I want PETA fucking getting a, like an arrow between his fucking eyes and then like she balls her eyes out about it sure, and comes sure. home a broken woman. That's my version of this. I, yeah, I also think that could have been a more interesting choice. But again, I like I know you can see what the writer is doing here. Like you're you're creating yeah. a book for mass market. No, we, I get we it. know what's going I under- on. I understand. It's not it's not what I want because I'm an awful human being and I want people <laughs> I want I want people to leave theaters crying i want them to go home like broken and changed individuals that's what i want to do whenever i outline a piece of media for sure i saw your name and said they should have ended it whenever that fucking meteor hit the ground that's that's the emotional peak of that movie just play the fucking credits out to the song there So that announcement is made like inside the game. There's just a big loudspeaker that says like, hey, there's a rules change Two winners if they're from the same district, which at this point, I think leaves us with only district one and district 12 as the options, because I think the district two girl was the one who succumbed to hornets. This should, this should ping for the, the audience that, hey, maybe the people in power can just change the rules whenever it's yeah, them. Yep. <laughs> because what they need to do is change the rules to keep you pacified, to give you the right amount of hope so that you will stop uprising. Mm, correct. <laughs> Please don't take all the things we have taken from you. <laughs> we stole the fair square. <laughs> I like the point on your <laughs> on this bullet that just says, I don't know, some other stuff happens, poison berries and mutant dogs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're not quite there because our boy has to be like has to have the bad leg and the face yep. in the, the mountain, but like Yep. We are we are at the story where Katniss finds the boy from Terabithia. He is in bad shape. <laughs> the boy from Terabithia, that's that should go on Josh's <laughs> headstone. You put all these in here as the other names because josh does listen every other week sure he only parks up whenever he hears his name so if we if we can just call him the boy from the the bridge to terabithia he'll have no idea what's going on after the announcement katniss finds him uh decorated like a camouflage cape and lying in a river yeah some stuff happens she takes him to a cave they get some soup from somebody yeah uh that's that's our that's uh, hey mitch that's his name Hey, yep. Mitch sounds like you're saying hello to your friend, Mitch, every hey, time. Mitch. <laughs> hey, Mitch. There's a point where Elizabeth Banks' character says, hey, Mitch, and she says it like, hello, Mitch, in the yeah. <laughs> in the movie itself, when they're all sitting around the table, and I, I just, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no one no one saw that line read was off and went back and fixed it, huh? They just, we're not going to ADR that? Okay. <laughs> She does have to go get some medicine, which she has to yeah. get from like the central area where the other mm-hmm. like the D1 kids are. Right, right. Uh, she is saved by Rue's partner from D11. Like that that guy is here for a minute. Apparently D11 is the black district, which is also kind of weird and uncomfortable. It's real weird, huh? It really <laughs> feels like every time they cut to it, it's like this is the inner city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I'm sure yeah. really played to that church crowd, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
And then, yeah, this is where I wrote, I don't know, other stuff's happen. They're like, at some point, they're designing mutant dogs. It's, it feels the very weirdest much. shark to jump. I don't. <laughs> Suddenly, mutant dogs was fucking weird. Was. I understand there's more weird mutant shit in the sequels, but yeah, yep. And there's more groundwork laying it. Like w- within the novels, there's a broader understanding given to the idea that the Hunger Games is just like, oh yeah, there's a game master and he's constantly building all kinds of weird nonsense. And like, yeah, sometimes it's yeah. trees and sometimes it's mutant dogs. Like whatever, this is part of the game. In this movie, it's just like, what? What happened here? We're suddenly in Resident Evil. But it is like the the actual narrative is like the game master is getting worried and a little tired and like Katniss keeps surviving and clearly there's like some social unrest that like the like the purpose of building the mutant dogs is like we got to wrap this up guys now why couldn't you just make another fire I don't know I don't know why it had to be mutant dogs but it is Look, they already did the fucking, oh, now my brain is blanking. They fortnighted it, where it's just right, like, yep. the, the outside's closing in, right? They already did that with the fire? Yep. So, yeah, at this point, it's just like, they want the games to be done. They're going to drive everyone into the center, and either, like, they'll kill each other, or the dogs will kill them. It'll be fine. And it becomes Jurassic Park for a minute. It's kind of, it, it does become Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park for a minute. <laughs> I should like it more. Like I should be stoked about it. Like I, there's a po- point where like that tone actually hit, and I was like, "Oh, they're doing a Jurassic Park." Like when they're clamoring <laughs> up on the side of that building, yep, the dogs yep. are like straight. I was like, "That everything about the shot composition and everything. This is Jurassic Park. They're doing a Jurassic Park, and I'm in." And that was it. <laughs> there wasn't enough raptors hunting people. I want more of that. Yeah, just put a dinosaur in. You're already engineering dogs. Just make it a dinosaur. <laughs> Again, it's just like, I recognize that this is the beat that happens in the books, but in the movie, it just feels like a weird tonal shift. Like, oh, now we're in Jurassic yeah. Park for a minute. It, it feels like you're in a Resident Evil movie out of nowhere. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the CG is not good on them dogs. It's not. <laughs> it's, it did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of end up with Katniss and PETA and one other guy from D1 or D, I think it's the guy from D1, whatever. Yeah. Cody. What's this dude's name? Oh, it's like Marvel or something, isn't it? <laughs> Is his name Marvel? That's a, that's that's a ridiculous. Kato. Name. There's also a Kato. One Kato. Of like, that's it. <laughs> there's de- oh, Jack Quaid was Marvel. Jack Quaid was okay. Marvel. <laughs> sure. I don't know these people's names. And they're just like all on top of the structure while the dogs are down there, and then you know Katniss shoots Kato in the hand, and the dogs yeah. eat him, and she Doesn't shoots the dogs him. Just leave. They she just kind leave. of mercy kills him. I think. Yeah. Like, that's fine. It's fine. And then like, there's a stand like, hey, all right, we won. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen her kill more people. Is that a weird <laughs> take? <laughs> <laughs> she shoots the one guy who killed Rue, like, as, like, and then was right. fucked up about it appropriately after the yep, fact, where she's yep, like, yep. have a trauma response. I wanted more of that. I wanted to see her grappling with just the traumatic horseshit that is happening all around Correct. her more. Yes. And we did not, instead, we have to spend so much time looking at her tied to a tree. And, and then she mercy kills this guy. And then the dogs leave, and they get the off the leave. building immediately. The dogs yep. leave, and then they, they're just like, well, I guess it's fine to get off this building. No fucking way, in, in no world, after no. I watch that all go down, <laughs> am I getting off that roof? Until they fucking sound that bell, and we're good. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Dim dogs, don't eat me. I don't want to. I'm not getting yeah, down. No, no. We're staying up here until that weird vacuum machine comes and pulls us back to the Capitol. A hundred percent. But no, they're like, there's a minute where they're like, hey, we did it. All right. This is, this is like, it's over. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and the announcer comes back and says, hey, never mind. Only one winner. Aha. Right. You have to kill each other. And they said, <laughs> uh, let's Romeo and Juliet this shit. Yep. <laughs> it's, yep. It's, I, I don't know. I didn't have a good time with it. I was. I understand that the narrative conceit they want here is like fuck your game we're not playing anymore right like the yeah. only way we can we can win is to stop playing but that's not really what what we get it's just like let's eat some berries and die and it does come across more as like a weird romeo and Juliet sort of like double suicide thing than it's, it's, a statement yeah. against like the rigged system I don't know. Is uh, at this point my notes to say, well, one I'm upset about the dogs. Are they not just sure. going to come back and eat them? <laughs> oh, double rule reversal. I'm shocked. Are we really doing sappy double suicide fake out? <laughs> Long exasperated sigh. Just I've typed the word sigh with a million eyes, but that's how it's meant to be read. Yeah, I didn't have a good time with it. I was like, no, why? This is this is bad. This is. I'm sure in the book they like thread that needle because everything seems to be. It's much. It's much better much delivered better in, in the, the book. book. Yep. Yep. I'm just. I I have to assume based off of what we've got in this movie that it's better in the book. My notes say. Katniss and the star of Five Nights at Freddy's, a movie based on a video game based on Chuck E. Cheese, are the co-winners. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, there can only be one hungry winner, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, sure. whatever. Like, it's it's so abbreviated here, and it's so abrupt, the idea of like, all right, we're going to eat some berries. All right, fine. Fine, you both win. Uh, and again, like, the idea of like, fuck you, we're not playing your games, like, we're going to win this by not playing is interesting. It's just so abbreviated and so like weirdly sold by the actors. It, like I don't, I, the scene doesn't have the energy I want it to, even though I get what they're no. doing. Uh, and the end result is that like the game master, knowing that the rebellion and dissatisfaction will escalate if these two die, like he does let them out and they survive. So like it, it works. We get the result that they wanted out of it. Again, just like a lot of the rest of this movie, the, the, the emotional beats just aren't quite there. Like I understand, I can see the shape of what they're doing. It just doesn't quite land yeah. for me. Yeah. There's a little big problem of execution in this, in this film of them just like, yeah. Yep. I see what you want to do, and I see what you did, and those aren't the same thing. Those aren't. Those aren't even sisters. Those are like distant cousins. <laughs> There's a little bit at the end where Haymitch is like, "Listen, this is not a good thing. Like, I'm glad you're both alive, but mm-hmm. but you need to understand that the system is not going to accept your you, this this rogue element. Like, this yeah. is not going to work out for you in the long run. I like. I think the takeaway there is like revolutions are bought in blood, and like yep. that's. Yep. I think that's what they want, and I think that's like what they're trying to nail there, but the and way we'll get they, more of that in the coming books. We will. I feel like we have to, right? Like yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no world where this mo- this isn't like a what a quadrilogy that ends with a revolution. This is I've right, seen yes. the Matrix. <laughs> I've been here <Correct>. before. <laughs> and the last beat of the movie is President Donald Sutherland making Beardy eat some poison grapes. <laughs> yeah, which he does. I have his yep. own accord for some yeah. reason. <laughs> I suppose it must be like, oh, if I don't do this, I know what they'll do to me and it will be worse. That's that's the I guess. that's what I am left to infer from this. I guess. I mean, there's, poison berries can't be a good way to go. You wouldn't I, think like, so. 
look, I have my I have my digestive shit. I've and I've also had food poisoning. And you know what? Gotta be more painless way to go than that. You can find something <laughs> in that little room. You can figure it out. That would be look if somebody puts poison berries in front of me. I'm finding another way to kill myself just to spite you. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, that's her movie, though. We did a movie. They, I mean, they go back home afterwards, and Gale feels sad because he has to watch you know, the person he actually has chemistry with coupling up with Josh Hutcherson for some reason. Yes. Well, there's more to that later. There must be. Yeah. I mean, because they're like, in addition to the love triangle that just wasn't earned and doesn't exist in the movie, but does in the book, Mm -hmm. there's also like the social political layers of like, listen, you sold this game by doing this and selling this love story. And like, you're Mm -hmm. going to be on TV for a while. They're going to come back and interview you again before the next games. Like this is a first, there were two winners. Like if you have any hope of surviving, you have to protect this narrative that you built. Yeah, don't get look. I know you were on The Bachelor, but you can't get you can't get it an old until correct <laughs> in, until it's finished. Uh, we got we actually have to do press for this after the fact. <laughs> yeah, that I mean I get it, but also just like he shows up there with the little sister. Yeah, yeah. He does. He actually doesn't want to watch the games, but then like we find him like he he does end up watching just because like even though it would be hard to watch somebody that you love potentially die, just like watches it and then like he, what he has to see is them making out in the cave yep. i just feel bad for that boy i feel like he deserves <laughs> so much better than he got in this movie i don't know what his presence is in the rest of the movies but i know throughout the rest of the books there is more to his story like he doesn't end sure, with sure. just like fine here's your sister back uh goodbye look it's a harem anime and he's the first girl they show yes, him first correct <laughs> and and so that's the one I'm going to imprint on and be like, this is the one I'm rooting for. Do I watch Aram anime? No, absolutely not. But I know this is a trope. <laughs> I know this it is doesn't, a thing. <laughs> it doesn't really feel in your personal wheelhouse very much. It's not. Look, do I watch Aram anime? No. Do, have I played Persona 4 Golden multiple times? Sure. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we did a movie. This is a movie. Was a Hunger Game? <laughs> Are you hungry for more? Are you hankering for some more of these? I hope so, because there's several more coming. We got at least four more. Four more of these. They split one of the books into two movies. Four movies. Well, yeah. Well, there were there were there were four movies, right? Because they did the first two books, and then Mocking Jay. Like it's a trilogy of books, and I think Mocking Jay got yes. split into two. So I think we've got three more coming. We've got four more coming because we also have the new one that came out this year. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the whole reason I scheduled this for this season. That's right. <laughs> did it? Cu- did the timing line up like I wanted it to? Absolutely not. This season was a fucking mess. <laughs> but we're still technically doing it. <laughs> All right. Do we have any closing thoughts on this? I don't like... I was more negative on this movie than I expected to be because I remembered liking it. Yeah, I especially it started and like it had a very particular tone, and I was like, "Oh, this is more prestige than I was Mm -hmm. expecting," and it did not maintain that. Yeah, and and again, I think part of why is because I I do quite like those books, Uh, and the first time I saw it, I had it fresh. We've already kind of litigated that, and having that gap of time and rewatching it. I think I had I, I, I had a rougher time. I still like a lot of what this movie is doing, and there are certainly elements of it that really work, but it is, I think, repeatedly let down by the elements that really don't work, and that's unfortunate. 
Yeah, it, it's a bummer. Look, it starts out. It wants to. It starts off trying to be children of men, and then we go to this the the fucking the Crystal City or whatever in Oz, and it's right. Out of, at, <laughs> and then it's a PG thirteen, incredibly watered down, sitting our asses up in trees battle royale, and then it's Resident Evil at the very end with yeah. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yep. it's weird. It's weird. It's a very There's, uneven movie that doesn't. It never quite gets over for me on rewatch but i do i i still do like these books i like this story it was fun revisiting the universe again even through an imperfect lens i think like i I had an enjoyable time watching it yeah i'm hoping the sequels had give me a little more to chew on and a little Mm -hmm. more cohesive this one if it could have picked any of those tones and stuck with it it would have been a more consistent movie, not necessarily a better one. Like I'm, da- right. I would 100 watch the schlocky like B movie Resident Evil version of this that they could have shot. It would have been terrible, <laughs> but uh, it probably would have been cohesive and not sure. four different yep. movies. That's the that's the end of the first one. It, it this is. is kind of a silly question given. <laughs> that we're in movie one but what's next well next up is the sequel to the hunger games the hunger games colon catching fire there's more dresses being let on fire this one i hope <laughs> The third one sucks is a retrograde orbit radio production. If you like the show, the best thing you can do is tell your friends and make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. If you want to get in touch or share suggestions about what we could cover in the future, you can contact us on Twitter at the third one sucks or email us at the third one sucks at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the sequel.